This is a relay project. Seriously starts now. Here's Sapria and Ryan. Hey, hey, it's Wednesday, September 28th, and you're listening to Seriously with Sapria and Ryan. I am Sapria Devetti in Toronto. I'm Ryan Jesperson in Edmonton. It's great to see your face again. Yeah, man, you too. Um, a lot going on yet once again in the news. Uh, the feds have announced that they're going to lift mask mandates on planes and trains, as well as the uh, vaccine requirement for those that are entering the country. And we're going to get into that in a little bit more detail in just a bit. Um, there's another poll out. And I know, you know, polls don't really matter all that much right now because there's not an election looming. But it is worth noting that Angus Reid has a poll out which puts the conservatives uh, pretty comfortably out ahead in front with uh, a seven point lead, um, a pretty big, you know, I would say the largest gap uh, for a while. Um, so clearly that Pierre Polyev um, honeymoon, uh, at least sticking around for a little bit. Um, Hurricane Fiona, of course, battered parts of uh, Atlantic Canada as well as Eastern Quebec. Um, and I, I don't know, it's uh, we're going to get into some of those comments a little bit later too, Ryan, because uh, why didn't I the just, carbon tax prevent yeah, Hurricane Fiona? I, I just wish the federal government would have would have been serious about averting or avoiding hurricanes. Uh, maybe if they would have taken their job more seriously, we wouldn't have had to worry about it. Can we talk for a second about the Armageddon film coming true? Oh my God, and the yeah. fact that NASA, uh, vis-a-vis humankind is now landing on asteroids. This is, what are they calling it? It's the planetary, it's like the interplanetary defense tactic or something. We're doing what they used to dream about doing in the movies. Yeah, it's it's actually very cool if you think about Super it. Super cool. Um, because, yeah, I mean, being able to basically launch a spacecraft into an asteroid and you know blow it up is kind of cool, but not to be a downer. Um, but, you know, if the asteroid that ended the dinosaurs actually was plump, pummeling towards us, I think it's like too fast and too large for us to do anything. But yeah, I, I, I'm always I mean, I, I'm I, always a ball of sunshine on a on a Wednesday morning. I just one what, what of my favorite part about like NASA stories or SpaceX stories or whatever uh, anything involving rockets and getting out of our own orbit is uh, I just like to imagine the human beings that can come up with this stuff and make it happen. Mm-hmm. I can you know if 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 I'm trying to figure out what what like a twenty three percent tip is at a restaurant, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it takes me a couple minutes. I look like Michael Jordan with my tongue hanging out as I'm trying to do the math. Can you imagine what it takes the computing power it would take to land something on a moving asteroid? It's just absolutely wild. i'm I'm impressed. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Um, the other thing I'm very impressed about, and I continue to be just in awe over are the, you know, throws of Iranian women that are showing basically the entire world what, you know, courage and, and bravery um, are. And I think the rest of the world should should really take note. And I hope sincerely that Canadians who are bitching and moaning about freedoms um, mm. or living under tyranny look to what's happening in Iran and, uh, I don't know, give their head a shake. Yeah. Um, yeah. Incredibly well said. Uh, remarkable visuals, remarkable courage on display. Uh, and you hope that the world is, I mean, with regards to in particular the Western world, uh, truly endeavoring to understand the significance 
of what we're seeing and understand why it's significant. These are the stories that we keep an eye on. And of course, that includes last week. Uh, you and I uh, have seen over the past few weeks, at least, as we pay attention to this story in particular, pretty wild headline about fraudulent credentials in police training, too. And I know that we we brought this up in passes. It turns out several experts who were training law enforcement on crisis intervention, like PTSD response and other critical issues, actually had false credentials from degree mills. So uh, in the last month alone, that means that we've heard about nurses, healthcare aides, and now cops with fake credentials. The problem with degree mills and fraudulent credentials has been on the rise in recent years and so if you're a regulator or an association or a licensing body it's more important now than ever before to provide trustworthy training and if you need to provide trustworthy training then you need a trusted training partner to help you prevent that fraud before it happens and that's why we want to tell you about we know training they've got over 20 years of industry experience we know training is your one-stop solution partner it enables associations regulators and nonprofits worldwide to develop and deliver and monetize training that matters they've got in-house customer support e-learning development proprietary lms and marketing so let we know training handle your online training and content needs so that you and your team can get back to doing what you and your organization do best and you know you may be used to a plug-and-play lms software but imagine what your organization can do with the right support. You'll be in great company. There are tons of success stories from We Know Training Partners, like the Cannabis Regulatory Branch of British Columbia, the Alberta Hunter Education Instructors Association, as well as the College of Midwives of Ontario. We Know Training can help you reach a larger audience, monetize your training program, create impactful courses hassle-free, and deliver top tier training to generate reoccurring revenue. As a fully managed solution partner, We Know Training handles every step along the way. They make online learning engaging, fun, and your learners will actually retain and apply the information in the real world. So if you're looking for a partner who will provide high stakes training without the stress, look up We Know Training at weknowtraining.ca. The lead. So our lead story this week is this the chickens coming home to roost? I don't know how you want to qualify it or if I would necessarily put it that way. But what we're, of course, talking about is the fact that the RCMP is now reviewing a statement from a you know rather prominent far right figure who is claiming he was drunk when he made these comments on a live broadcast about sexually assaulting um, Pierre Polyev's wife. Now, the comment then led to a pretty strong condemnation uh, from, you know, Mr. Polyev, which one would very much expect. Um, I'll read it for those that are listening to us on the podcast. Uh, this weekend, I became aware of disgusting comments made by Jeremy McKenzie and another man where they discussed sexually assaulting my wife. These men are dirtbags. Frankly, like most Canadians, until about a month ago, I'd never heard of Diagalon and these losers. They are all odious. My office has referred these comments to the RCMP to assess whether criminal charges should be laid. This kind of garbage has no place in Canada. No one should face this abuse. People can attack my politics. They can call me names. They can protest my ideas and what I stand for. But threatening my wife and family is appalling, and I will not tolerate it. Leave my family alone. So now, you know, you've pointed out, is this uh, chickens coming home to roost? The only reason why I have a little bit of hesitancy with saying, you know, emphatically yes, is because I don't think Anita did anything, um, his wife, that is, um, to put herself 
in this position. Yeah. I yeah. don't think Should any I, can family I, can member. I, can deserves, I interrupt yeah. and retract already? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because this has. I'm not implying at all that this. No, has no, no. And I'm not saying you are. Anything to do with yeah. Pierre Polyev's wife at all? Yeah. I guess I'm just saying, like, uh, if you wrestle with pigs, you're going to get covered in shit. Maybe that's yeah. the better barnyard analogy here. Uh, well, it, no. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, it's just it, it unequivocally, uh, absolutely unacceptable appalling ridiculous disgusting let me be clear uh but pierre polyev uh, has not had an issue with diagonal or the far right or jeremy mckenzie at all whatsoever as a matter of fact about a month ago when photos surfaced of the two of them shaking hands at the campaign event and you and i were both reasonable about that i don't crack on politicians or celebrities for who they shake hands with they shake hands with hundreds of people at every single event but when he learned who he was, he still refused to comment on it. He still refused to condemn Diagonal. He hasn't, quite frankly, given a shit about anything that these guys have said about anybody else. So yep. when it did hit close to home to all of a sudden have a strongly worded statement about the dirtbags and losers, I think it's no wonder that some people are kind of wondering where Pierre Polyev was on this uh, for the last year or so. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, a more than fair comment to make. Uh, the RCMP has confirmed that they're, you know, reviewing this. Um, and for, you know, Pierre's statement, it's interesting that he says that he only became aware of them about a month ago because he was present in the House of Commons back in February when uh, their group's name was like repeated at least a few times. Um, Rachel Gilmore of Global News has sent the Polyev camp um, back when it was in the throat, they were in the throes of the leadership race uh, questions um, about uh, Mr. McKenzie and his organization. And, you know, the response from the Polyev camp was to attack Rachel Gilmore. So it, he hasn't responded to these sorts of things in the best way. Um, but let me ask you this. Are you now optimistic, I guess, or more glass half full that this will at least be a bit of a tipping point in terms of, you know, the change in tone from maybe his camp? Like maybe now these guys like aren't just a funny haha meme factory and it's like, oh, shit, like they actually do put out threats against people. Well, I just I just hope that this is a wake up call for everybody because yeah. you know what's this uh i i know that this is what, what what's the the literary the, you know the, the greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was to convince people that he didn't exist yeah. and and i think that people oftentimes with with regards to these you know these far-right groups and and you know oftentimes we've seen them in action and represented at events like the truck convoy the ottawa occupation you know cue the angry emails about i'm just a grain farmer from saskatchewan and how dare you loop me in with the rest of these racists and white supremacists not calling every I, I'm so sick of these caveats yes I'm not calling everybody on the truck convoy a white supremacist or a racist or somebody who jokes and talks about sexual assault but how many examples do we need to see before we start to uh, characterize these people as who they are and the threat that they present I mean th this is you know what, a, what what's he saying now? oh I was drunk I mean people that have seen this clip talking about 
Mrs. Polyev and people who have heard other clips from these guys on their live streams, first of all, they're not stumbling and slurring. I don't believe the whole I was drunk thing. I mean, if you're going to throw it out there, stand by your words. I know that he's issued some sort of a tepid apology, but the actual content, Sapria, uh, for the people that haven't heard it, what they're talking about here, and it's disturbing to hear, this is going to be really triggering for some people. I mean, it, it's awful they're talking about you know how they'd like to rape people one guy and his girlfriend says he says the two of us we talk about raping people all the time it's a power thing we want them to know that we can exert our power like they're spelling out their perspective on this kind of thing and it needs to be called out for what it is yeah um you know to your point about the apology from Mackenzie, it is worth noting that he, you know, did say that, you know, he feels bad if his wife or anybody is offended, but then went on to say that um, I would hope he'd be a bigger man than that and have some thicker skin than that if he's going to be prime minister. But obviously, I would never condone something like that. So, I mean, a little bit of a not really a wholehearted apology there. Um, so he, he I just, just hopes that he would be cooler about yeah, people yes. threatening to rape his wife. He just hopes yeah. he would be cooler about that. Like, I don't know who he thinks any, you know, person on the planet would be cool with that. Um, but are we starting I, to just figure out, can we just call it how it is? Are we starting to figure out that these guys are just a bunch of idiots, as a matter of fact? Like, are we you just to, figuring that out now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> I don't oh, think these guys like, were like straight A students in uh, school. Yeah, upon, um, upon due consideration, we've realized that this guy may lack some of the basic intellectual computing power to put the, but however these people have been lauded as heroes i mean these, these people find support from thousands of individuals yeah. across the country and that's the thing that makes me especially nervous is that they're not doing their live stream they're not saying this stuff to nobody sapria yeah. they have an audience well you know it's interesting because it, yeah i mean you could talk about their supporters and that is worrying in and of itself, right? Having the um, like fervent support for this kind of rhetoric and these kinds of movements more generally. But what actually uh, I find more worrying are the people that are complacent about it or don't think it's a big deal or, you know, tend to say, well, it's just a joke or these are just losers on the internet. And it's just, it's just stuff that's happening online. Like stuff that happens online spills over into real life all the time. And things that start online, um, you know, don't necessarily stay there. And this isn't 1995. Like mm. the internet is real life in a lot of ways, right? And you can't ignore online threats that are coming your way. And I, I don't know. I, I I really do sincerely hope that this at least um, tempers some of the singling out of journalists like Rachel Gilmore from uh, the Polyev camp and from the conservatives more generally. But let me ask you one last question about this, because I, I want to tie it into something we talked about on Real Talk uh, on Friday. And that was, you know, the conservatives really making a big deal out of a poorly worded, jokey tweet that a freelance journalist um, put right. out there. Do you think now the CPC feels a little bit silly about going full tilt on Dale Smith, claiming that, you know, they felt threatened um, by him and over this when like your leader's wife is actually being threatened with rape. Yeah, the, the context on that, Jerno Dale from his account uh, suggesting that conservative MP Garnet Janus made a joke so bad or a joke so lame that if a horse was that lame, it would be taken out and shot. And of course, the Polyev camp, uh, the federal party torquing it uh, to come across or to portray it as a threat, a threat that the MP should be shot 
full stop. Uh, Smith, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's refused to walk it back. Uh, yeah, he's, no, he's, he he's dug yeah. in his heels and he's refused to apologize. Um, we have mixed feelings on that. You and I both talked about that. People can check the archive if they like. Um, I would say this. Number one, I don't think that conservatives are embarrassed because I don't think that there's much that embarrasses politicians of any party anymore. And number two, I will say this. After Mr. Polyev releases this statement, calling these guys dirtbags and losers, talking about the odious nature of this, he'd better stand up and take a serious position on what actual threats look like versus ones that aren't. Because if not, he's going to be accused of being disingenuous and part of the problem. I, I, I agree with that. But I wonder if the people that are going to be doing the, you know, accusing of him being disingenuous, like, does that fall on deaf ears? Because it's not coming from their own camp. Like, do you think this turns off people within the conservative movement more broadly like that? I don't think it may piss off some you know, further right PPC voters that are clearly, at least from Angus Reid polling, seem to be migrating towards the CPC right now. But if it's just a bunch of like, you know, Jean Charest supporters um, that uh, feel a little bit slighted by this, I don't know if that makes if that moves the needle, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, I'd like to see this become less partisan. I mean, I'd like yeah, to see too. a statement Fuck, from the too. prime minister yeah. and Chuck Meat saying and, and, and who, who do we say? Elizabeth May now, I guess. And uh, but I'd like to see <laughs> I'd like to see statements and support from all federal politicians that are saying this has nothing to do with whether he's the conservative leader or the liberal leader or no leader at all. This is unacceptable in politics. And it comes back to what Jeremy McKenzie's saying, his delusion around this. If Pierre Polyev wants to be prime minister, he better get thicker skin. He can get thicker skin about things like his policy sucks or you don't like his approach to this or you don't think he's a great orator or you think he needs to be better prepared in question period no politician needs to have thicker skin about rape threats and i'm happy to see the police are investigating and i hope that something comes of this it's about time these guys get shut up also there's this so as we mentioned off the top there ryan um the feds have officially announced this is widely expected but they've officially announced that as of october 1st planes and trains will be mask free this is what the prime minister tweeted update effective october 1st we're removing covid 19 border and travel measures we'll continue to follow the latest available science and do whatever is necessary to protect your health stay protected by keeping your vaccinations up to date. And it says more here, and there's a link presumably on the announcement or you know where to get your vaccines. Look, I think we are in the position we are in, and by that I mean a great deal of when it comes to, you know, hospital wait times and the collapsing of our healthcare system oh, and you know, the fact that more people have died in 2022 than in 2021 of COVID, like all of these things um, that we're sort of numb to because we just get fucking baffle gab from politicians at every level when it comes to this. Like they're not following the available science, like they're following the available polling, like like let's just call it what it is. Right. Like masks do reduce transmission um, irrespective of whether or not you want to wear one. And you can very as an adult and as somebody living in a free country can say you don't want to fucking wear one and that's fine. But like, why do we have to pretend it's the science that says this? And what's interesting is that, you know, journalists that were covering the um, announcement when it was made and it was made by like the civil service side uh, of things, um, as well as like the health minister, I believe, was there. Uh, this is a, a tweet from a, uh, a, a journalist, Sonia Slam in, uh, in, in Vancouver from City News. And she says, 
some confusing messaging out of this announcement. The feds are scrapping the mask mandate, but also encourage everyone to keep wearing one. When pressed, they say people who don't like wearing a mask are making the lives of airline staff hard. Okay, that doesn't sound too scientific to me either. That sounds like you're trying to make, you know, the lives easier of the poor flight attendants that have to deal with rage uh, in while they're like up in the air. Mm. So I, I don't know. It's like, why can't government just be honest with us about what they're doing and why they're doing it? Like we're just constantly shooting ourselves in the dick over this stuff. So you're not you're not necessarily peeved or perturbed that the mask mandate is lifted on airplanes. We always say trains. What are people talking? And, about? Are people talking about like subways in Toronto or are people talking about actual no, it's like, like via trains? It's like, are, yeah, are, it's, are Canadians regularly I mean, taking trains? Is this, they should, is I this guess. a thing? So, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I mean, I'm yeah. coming to you from Western Canada. If somebody takes a train, it's like for their 25th wedding anniversary, and it costs like <laughs> six grand to go to the mountains. Are people actually, we say planes and trains like it's a regular. Anyway, I digress. Maybe that's the Westerner in me. But on planes, are you just pissed off that, that they're claiming to be following the science? Because I don't hear you or notice you actually digging in on actually removing the mask mandate. Are you okay with well, that? Like, I'm still going to wear one. Like I, so whatever, yeah. like, I don't know. Like, and I understand like masks work best when there are more people wearing them. Like I'm not oblivious to that very obvious fact, but like, I get where people are. I get that people are sick of this. Yeah. I get that people want to pretend as though um, this is no longer an issue, but I mean, it, what just so I, I guess is just what grates me the most to, to your point is, yeah, that we're not being honest about it. Like we're all fucking adults. Like, just be honest. Say that, like, you don't want to do it anymore yeah. um, because like other jurisdictions aren't doing it anymore. And you find that, you know, there is no longer a wide public buy in um, for this sort of thing. Like but I can sit here and rage against wearing masks, like the fact that we need to wear masks all I want. But like, I'm not going to change people's opinions over it and we know like, why there's not public buy-in anymore though right we, we know there's not public buy-in anymore because the public has done what has been asked of them over the past couple of years including at the very beginning when there was no vaccine available yeah. uh, isolating and quarantining and masking up i mean no one's ever going to forget sterilizing our cereal boxes when we got home from the grocery store because we were willing to do anything whether it seemed ridiculous or not, because we had no experience in a pandemic, except for those of us, you know, that are 105 years old. And and so now that people have been, I mean, some people have been SARS boosted. was in 2003, I mean, wasn't it? Yeah, like, no, it wasn't, but, yeah, okay. No, but SARS didn't <laughs> it wasn't really, a pandemic. Yeah, yeah, SARS yeah, didn't impact anyone's, uh, I mean, maybe Toronto, but yeah. SARS didn't even I, don't I, know I, get noticed, point, but, I get your point. But actually, out here on the prairies, the, the medical science is a little bit different. I'm not sure if you knew that, but <laughs> <laughs> we didn't experience SARS. Uh, in all seriousness, though, people now have had four or five shots. People, So attitudes yeah. have changed. There's less sympathy for people that are in COVID wards in hospitals because the majority of people in COVID wards in hospitals are unvaccinated. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And that's bound to impact public opinion, don't you think? That's, that's true. Okay, so like that's true. Fine. But you can also be vaccinated and be older or be vaccinated and have underlying conditions and you're in there. And let me just point out that a good chunk of children are still unvaccinated totally. or aren't fully up to date with their vaccinations. Right. And I think the public would have a much different opinion of this if we actually had adequate and robust reporting on some mm. of those pediatric hospitalizations um, that are going on, not just in Canada, but around the world. And so 
I, to your point, it's like we're almost in this weird black hole of data. So people aren't, you know, getting the right information to even make the individual choices for them should they want to make them. And it's like we're screwed either way. And I guess, you know, just given the fact that we're talking about planes and it's this will come October 1st. And then soon it'll be like, you know, American Thanksgiving rush and then Christmas travel rush, right? Like holidays, people going places. Do we not think that that's going to impact staff shortages? Like there are already staff shortages um, up the wazoo. And it seemed as though masks were at least protect some level of protection for um, folks that were working in airports and on airplanes. So like what happens when those go away? Yeah, I'm curious to see what it's going to look like with with regards to, uh, you know, who's going to buy in and continue to wear a mask on public transit or to continue oh, wearing masks dorks like me on long haul flights. I'll wear a mask. I'm going to wear yeah. a mask, but I'll tell so you why. Like us. Mostly it's, because yeah. I just put my head back on the headrest and sleep with my mouth open. And so the mask now, just, <laughs> it has nothing really to do with preventing COVID-19 and has everything to do with preserving my dignity. Seriously? What is it doing to prevent disasters? What has the liberal, the federally imposed liberal carbon tax, because I come from a province that it has been imposed on, done for the environment? How come it didn't prevent Hurricane Fiona? That is rocket scientist Rosemary Falk, conservative MP out of Saskatchewan. Sapria? Uh, I like, what do you even say to that? Like, is she... It's amazing. You can't be that dumb. You can't be that dumb. Nobody can be that dumb. No, no adult, no human adult in 2022 can actually think that a carbon tax that was instituted nationwide, um, you know, not that long ago could have prevented somehow a hurricane that was accelerated or a tropical storm once it, you know, reached Canada. Um, that was accelerated by a changing climate. Like, I don't know how to put this another way, but like things aren't instantaneous and like emissions do take time uh, to come down. Okay, 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 and okay, once okay, stuff okay, is okay. in the atmosphere, but you're actually, you can't just... No, but you're yeah. actually legitimately providing a valid evidence-based <laughs> response to one of the dumbest things that I've ever heard in the House of Commons. And that's saying something. I give you credit for providing an actual serious answer until I interrupted you uh, to something that is so nonsensical and so ridiculous. I'm wondering if Ms. Falk just really wanted to get mentioned on seriously. Oh, I would imagine so. Um, but like, you know, you were talking about people being incapable of being embarrassed or politicians no longer being capable of shame. Like, how do you say something like that? And then like, pretend to be an adult like how do you expect people to take you seriously afterwards and i don't know it's like now do do like her caucus members have to sit there and pretend like mm, yeah so i'm very intelligent i have an ex- excellent point yes why didn't the carbon tax prevent fiona like how do we how do we get out of this how do I'm we not, get out uh, of this well i'm not trying to be a huge jerk but <laughs> I would guarantee that more than 50% of her constituents would heartily endorse her message. And I wonder if maybe somebody mentioned that to her at one of her coffee with Rosemary events uh, <laughs> through the summer. And uh, and I wonder if maybe this was to play a little bit to her base. If you're a Saskatchewan based MP, 
I mean, really, aside from Andrew Shear and, and, and before him, maybe Ralph Goodale when he was there. I mean, I mean, who do you think of prominently that speaks out uh, from the, from the, from their position in Saskatchewan that gets a lot of national attention? Maybe she was just trying to get mentioned. Maybe she's trying to get her name on the radar. I don't know, because I can't think of any tactical justification for taking a public position like this. Yeah, neither can I. So maybe maybe this is it. Maybe this is all about, um, you know, endearing herself to potential spot on that front bench. Can I say this? Uh, spoke to Ann Castleman, who's a science journalist. Uh, she wrote a great piece in The Walrus about yeah. how the, the UK is winning the race against climate change. And people can check that out in the Real Talk archives. And she was talking about the BC heat dome. And she said last summer, you look around you and still... Nothing changes. Everybody's just driving around in their cars. Everybody's living per usual, running their air conditioning units and acting like it's not happening to us. And I feel like a lot of the pushback on things like the carbon tax too, the same sort of a thing. People expect to see immediate uh, response. They expect to see immediate reaction from Mother Earth as she heals in front of our very eyes. And I think maybe people are starting to uh, I, I don't know if people ever really grasp it, but the whole point of this thing, the whole point of carbon pricing is to change behaviors long term to try to ensure that we don't go extinct. Yeah, although with comments like that, maybe we deserve it. We might. We might. Hey, people can follow us all over the place uh, at, at Sapria and Ryan on Twitter. And of course, uh, we're also on Instagram at Seriously Pod. And Sapria means so much to us when people are sharing this podcast, sharing this show with people they know would enjoy it. Yeah, totally. So check out seriouslypod.com and make sure to send us email, uh, hate or love, uh, if it's, uh, you know, up your alley. Talk at seriouslypod.com. And uh, Ryan, you and I will be back, not next week, the week after. That's right. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for checking out Seriously. Seriously is hosted by Supriya Dwivedi and Ryan Jesperson. Technical producer, John Hicks. Executive Producer, Josh Dunford. Account Coordinator, Lawrence Turlego. General Manager, Katie Cook-Shivers. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Voiceover by me, Tangi. Seriously is a Relay Project. For more, check out SeriouslyPod.com.